Hello folks, welcome back. I'm your host Simon Ward and this is the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast. As I get older, I've become passionate about finding the best ways to refresh the mind, refuel the body and rebuild strength so that I can keep doing what I love into my 60s and 70s. If you have similar goals to me, then I hope you'll join me each week as I bring you amazing guests from around the world, all with the goal helping you to improve your sporting performance regardless of whether you're a triathlete an ocean swimmer an ultra runner or a gravel racer this week i'm joined by my friend and local yoga teacher kirsten stephenson i have to say i'm a little embarrassed that it's taken me so long to present a podcast about yoga especially as i'm an enthusiastic convert hopefully by the end of this show you'll have a much better idea about yoga why it's more than just guided stretching and more importantly, how it will help many aspects of your life and triathlon performance. So, please take a deep breath and relax while I get chatting with Kirsten. Welcome to the show, Kirsten Stephenson. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to have you on. You've been on before, of course. I think we were talking about the vegan approach to nutrition before, but um, it's taken me nearly five years to get round to having somebody onto the show to talk about yoga, which is terrible, really, seeing as I've, I've been a convert for the last two or three years. But anyway, here you are now. So I, I'm going to take the approach today that I'm a complete novice. I don't really have any concept, really, of what yoga is other than, you know, um, understanding that uh, you have to stand on one leg sometimes doing a little sort of uh, a little hands together pose and uh, and it involves some breathing so hopefully by the time we get to the end of this podcast myself and the listeners will be well placed to understand about yoga about the different forms of yoga and the, the and the myriad number of benefits beyond just improving your flexibility so um does that does that sound okay it definitely does i'll do my best okay well you you are an expert and in the leeds area um, you have a very good reputation. So if anybody, I, I will put links at the end, but for anybody who's in the Leeds area and is thinking about going to a yoga class, you could do worse than going to one of Kirsten's classes. Thank you. Uh, so, okay, then let's let's start with the simplest of question. What is yoga? Yeah. And that is actually quite a big question. What is <laughs> yoga? Yeah. Um, if I was going to say it's sort of very, um, very short, I would say it's an, an old art form from India. And it's joining body, it's joining joining body with breath, mind, and heart, bringing that back into union. Um, the word yoga means to yoke, to unite. Um, and sort of traditionally, the aim of yoga was that you were doing a set of postures. We call postures in yoga, we call them asanas. And you were doing these postures to get strong enough, flexible enough so you can sit in meditation we have all seen people sitting cross-legged or in lotus doing meditation and that is really the aim of yoga that you can sit there and do your mind stuff mm. just let me interrupt then so uh when i first thought about getting into yoga i know jack jack your partner was a uh, you know full-time triathlete 20 years ago and he got into yoga a lot earlier than most people i know um, who were in the multi-sport scene 
and thinking, well, it'll just improve my flexibility. Why don't I just do some stretching? And uh, both both of you and, and Louisa, who we both know my physio, um, were encouraging me that it was more than that. But if I'm a triathlete, why should I be interested in improving my breath or improving my heart? Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. presuming I'm already working my heart, but I think you're probably talking about your heart in terms of a, a sort of that whole sort of emotional side of things, aren't you really? Yeah, I think just just before I answer that, I actually that I have a really I have a teacher that was putting it really nicely. He was he was talking about yoga and he was sort of saying yoga is not equal stretching. It would be the same as saying that running and football is the same. Right. Yeah. So football involves a lot of running. But it's not the whole game of the football. There's some tactics, there's some teamwork, there's a lot of stuff. And that's actually the same thing that yoga stretching is a little part of it. Yeah, yoga involves stretching, but it involves so many other things. Mm. Um, And if I was to talk a little bit about what those other things were, and then we can come back to the, the benefits, what we actually get. So if we go back to these postures, because they are quite central, we all know what yoga postures they can look like. But there is in the yoga a whole sort of um, set of moral disciplines that you follow. It's something about being kind to yourself, being kind to other people, um, speak, think and act in a true way, not steal. And that means not just stealing things, but don't steal time and energy from people. Mm. Um, Moderation is a good thing. (laughs) And non-attachment. In the yoga, we also work a lot about getting to know ourselves better. It's a way of studying yourself. And that involves something about um staying clean so yeah of course we can go in the shower and clean the external body but there's also some internal cleansing techniques um we try and be content we are disciplined and we not least trust in the yoga that we know we don't always need to analyze everything mm. can we just do these things that have been around for five thousand years they probably work Can we just do them and then believe in that? So coming back to all that, if we do postures, if we we are kind and all these things, and if we are content and disciplined, then we will come to a place where we are much happier. The mind is more quiet. And now we start talking some of the benefits. um, Kirsten, before you go on to those, can I I jump in there, right? So um, the kindness thing, I really like that because we've had my brother, um, and we had another guest, Craig Marker, on recently talking about anti-fragile and being self-building um, resilience. And, and both of them really um, have behind those is self-compassion, isn't it? So being kind to yourself, which is sometimes I think when you're an endurance athlete, you forget because you keep pushing and pushing. You want to train. You've got an injury. You wouldn't make your dog go out and run if it had got a bad leg. You'd let him sit by the fire and, um, you know, and, and lick his wounds. You wouldn't make your grandmother go out and walk to the shops if she got a bad back. But when it comes to ourselves, we we forget about that self-compassion. Um, I I love the moderation bit because, again, that's something uh, that in the pursuit of a, a, um, a race or a, a personal best, we, we sometimes forget. Um, I think that one of my earliest 
recollections of yoga and somebody doing yoga was that they were sort of felt like seemed like a very gentle calm you talked about happy person controlled disciplined and sometimes I felt that was at odds with when I used to play rugby or when I'm when I'm a hard charging triathlete and I've got things to do and things to achieve and places to be I haven't got time for all that calmness but I think of an, I think I understand now that actually, if you have that calmness, it makes everything else better, and you get to your goals a lot, a lot more effectively. And it's a little bit about building, like bringing things into balance, isn't it? We can't go a hundred kilometers an hour all the time. There need to be quietness as well. Hmm. So if we if we sort of go back to that, was a little bit about what it what yoga is. Hmm. Um, so what is it that then we can we can get from it for, apart from a calmer mind and a happier you know a happier life basically you know there will be something about I often get my students coming back saying that they've started they sleep better at night uh, they they don't feel quite as anxious and um, I had a lady yesterday walking out of a class and said it's really nice every time I've done yoga I feel so light in my body you know and 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 things like that I, I I walk better I see people they are so bent over when they walk on the street I've started paying more attention to my my body posture and so it it is so much more than that sort of stretching part mm. yeah yes I've I've noticed all of those myself when I um, when I've done my own uh, yoga and when I've been to Louise's classes, um, definitely walking better, um, mm-hmm. feeling taller, feeling longer through the body. And going back to you said something there about um, about the postures. Uh, and I remember one of the classes I did with you where you said it's it's not a performance, it's practice. And because a lot of people that I talk to say, well, I'm not very good at yoga. You know, I feel like I'm a bit inferior. Um, everybody's really good and I don't want to stand out, but we all have to start somewhere, don't we? And everybody's got somewhere where they're a bit more flexible, a bit stronger and, uh, and, and else other places where they're, they're a little tighter, but I, you did that, that did really make a lot of sense saying it was a practice, not a performance. Yeah. And I think exactly what kind of words you put into your head about what you do really matters, doesn't it? Mm. And also, if we sort of think, remember that it is that the yoga is postures, it's breathing, it's meditation, then also yoga will mean something different for everyone. There'll be some that come purely for a physical reason what why what that's absolutely fine there'll be people that come more for the mind bit there'll become people that come more for the emotional bit you Mm -hmm. know whatever reason you have to come to a yoga class that's absolutely valid and whatever your practice looks like that's also fine it's a very personal thing and i think that that's a really important thing to remember and that also then leads to you said it exactly. I can't do yoga. I'm 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 not so flexible. I'm not so strong. That's another thing I, I often hear as a yoga teacher. You know that yoga is not for me. Yoga is for everyone, absolutely everyone and everybody. Mm. You know, whatever body type you have, whether you are man or woman, young or old, what race you have, you know whether you have got health issues, illnesses, you know, the only person that can't do yoga is lazy people. It doesn't work. 
But if we are willing to put in some work, there is a form for us. Mm. I think that's that that's important. Well, the the uh, the next question I have then is I read about hatha yoga, ashtanga yoga. Um, I see a lot about hot yoga and people telling me that that's great because you come out really sweaty, although I'm not sure that that's the uh, that's the main objective. Um, maybe you can help us differentiate between the three different, or not the three, the many different styles and why we might choose one over another. Mm-hmm. And, and that is becoming an absolutely jungle because everyone wants to develop their, their own style of yoga. Yep. But how I often explain it to make it sort of very, very sort of easy to understand, that is that Hatha yoga, that means physical yoga. So we can take Hatha as a big umbrella. And then underneath that umbrella, we can then have uh, Ashtanga yoga, as you mentioned. There's some, you sometimes see the word power yoga, hot yoga. There's an Iyengar yoga and yin yoga. Those are words that we will see many places, but mm. they are all Hatha yoga. We okay. use the body to achieve something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if we were then to go into just very brief into what the different things they are, the Ashtanga is a very physical practice. You do a sequence of postures that is that's the same sequence every time you come to the mat. Mm-hmm. And then as you progress, you add more postures. Right. That's, yeah. Um, yinga yoga, that's probably one that people that might have seen pictures of. Then they use a lot of equipment. There might be chairs and ropes on the walls. Walls. <laughs> there might be a lot of foam blocks and straps involved. It's very sort of alignment-based. It's very slow. Yin yoga is one that is becoming really, really popular. Uh, which I find really interesting. It's a very um, it's a very soft practice. You hold the postures for a long time. We talk three five minutes. You sit wow. in one pose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very very relaxing, and and I think the reason is that because we have to stay there for so long. At some point, we have to start to relax because we can't fight it for three minutes for four minutes. So eventually we'll start to relax. Does, does that mean if, if you're holding those postures for um, that extended period of time that perhaps some of the ones that people know, you know, like downward dog or a plank, you, you wouldn't be doing those because they're probably too extreme for a lot of people. Exactly. And, and exactly. It doesn't involve postures like that. It's postures where we are close to the ground. So it will be, um, It'll be a, a lying down on the floor, spinal twist, for instance, something where you're supported by the ground. Right. Um, but it's it's really, really relaxing. And, and it's nice to see that it's becoming so popular because mm. what I really think people need these days is actually to relax and slow down. Yeah, I agree. So I get I get happy when I have classes of yin yoga that are full. I get really happy. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. So those are sort of the the things you will probably see. But if you were to start looking for a class, if you sort of wanted to start yoga and say, where do I start? Um, Look for a timetable where it either says yoga or hatha yoga. That would be a very, very good beginning. Hmm. Why why would I choose hot yoga? I think you will choose hot yoga. Um, I mean, what are the the benefits of the 
of working out in such a hot state? The thing is that all your tissue in your body gets gets really soft when it's hot. So it's easier to do the, the postures. It, mm-hmm. it feels good. You can go deep into postures. Um, personally, I'm not a big fan of that because it can also it can sort of um, blur your, your vision a little bit because you think you can, you, you might actually be going deeper than you're ready to. Let's put it like that. Right. Right. Okay. This, the sequence itself, I think is brilliant, but do it in a normal temperature room. Mm-hmm. And especially if you are an athlete or you have a very busy lifestyle, I would not add it because it is extra, extra stress to the system. Basically hot yoga is 40, it's 40 degree warm in the room. Mm. That's a lot. But a nicely temperatured room, do the sequence. That would be that would be my advice. <laughs> I, I can I can see a lot of people wanting to do hot yoga because it's extreme. And once you once you put the word extreme in there, it attracts people, doesn't it? Because it's like I can go longer, harder, hotter than anybody else. So of course, that's completely the opposite point to yoga, really. <laughs> exactly, and that's where we we, we need to learn to to twist it around and actually be willing to slow down, mm-hmm. be willing to be with ourselves, spend time on things. Um, improve quality of breath, learn what it is to relax. Yeah, it's, I, I totally agree with you that in the modern day lifestyle, I mean, we're just connected all the time, aren't we, to our phones, to our computers, to other people. There's never really any switching off, you know, even even in those what could be considered, would have been considered sacrosanct times when you're at home you know, while you're having breakfast with your family before you get in the car to go to work or when you've left the office, you're still in touch. And when now people are working from home, there's really no let up. Um, and, you know, we all work from home. So you've got to be very disciplined to insert these little recovery and rest periods in there, haven't we? And that just makes it even even more, in, you know, maybe it is a good thing to take up some yoga. Mm. So um, you've let's... let's uh, a little bit more talk about some of the things that you get from people the feedback about how they feel then you know maybe maybe if you can without sharing the names um, some success stories you've had of people who've come maybe they weren't they were cajoled into doing it they were persuaded by their partner or their friends to go and now they're you know six days a week and they're a big disciple for you it was it was really nice just after christmas i, I started um a, a, a course for um for only men and it was a pure beginner's course. Uh, and I had six men showing up and they all wanted to, to start yoga. And already the second time um, we were together, one of them wanted to know what he was going to do in between because he already thought that once a week was a little bit too little. He wanted to do more. It, it felt good. Um, after three weeks, you know, one of them come back. He's a musician. He sits with his guitar, you know, many, many hours every evening. And he he he, he plays and he was saying normally he he can't stand up after those sessions because it's aching everywhere in the body. His back is hurting, and that has just gone. Um, I'm not saying that I can cure everybody that fast, but it's the, I guess the message is that get the body moving a little bit. You know, don't let it stiffen up. Mm. A lot of these aches and pains that people they have, we actually don't need to live with them we can do something about them. Mm, yeah. And I, I've really come to understand that. And particularly as I've got older as well, um, you know, things that I used to be able to just wash over and ignore when I was younger, it's, you, you can't do that anymore. And, and definitely when you see um, 
people in the well, even in their forties, but certainly fifties and sixties, you were talking about people walking down the street, stooped and sort of hunched over and not able to twist properly and do all of those things. That that's that's an aging thing, but that's also a lifestyle thing as well, isn't it? That we need oh. to correct. Oh, totally. That no, there's no reason for for just using age as an excuse because it is not an excuse. Mm. Jack always says that he took he took up yoga when he was forty, and you know he just he 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 he's he's sixty now, you know, and he's only going in a good direction, and it, it, it's really nice. Mm. Yeah, Jack will probably admit that he wasn't the most flexible people when he was running. But um, totally. <laughs> I've, I've not I've not seen him uh, in a yoga practice, but I would imagine he can get into what most people would consider to be some fairly extreme positions now. Yeah, exactly, and and that is just by a practice. Not that that is a goal in itself, but it it just proves the point, doesn't it? That you know you don't need to accept that age is taking over. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do hear some people say to me, "Oh, yeah, I've always been stiff. You know, I'm just naturally stiff." I and I don't. There are some people who have. Um, some genetic or sort of injury related um, restrictions around certain joints. But I think for the majority of people um, that, that that's, that's a nonsense that they're, this is, I've always been stiff. I was born stiff. And I think it's probably the one I hear the most. It's, it is that I'm not flexible. I cannot do yoga. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, I'm always a little bit too polite, but what I always think when people say that to me is that it's not your body, it's your mind that is fucking stiff here. <laughs> Excuse my language, because it's, it's like, do you want to change or don't you? And it's like, it's a little bit yeah. like that because you don't need to accept that. So it's we- more that do, do we want to make a change? You know, I'm, I'm weak. Yeah, you can stay forever weak or you can start doing something about it. I mm. feel stressed. Yeah, you can incorporate something into your life that you can maybe learn to manage stress better. You know, so there's always changes we can make. Mm. And you- that's where the, the yoga is there. It has got everything. You talked about uh, in in the list of things, you know, the sort of practices, if you like, the moral disciplines about yoga. I remember um, Jack telling me you you and Jack go off to do some retreats from time to time, don't you? You go to India for several weeks, you go off to Finland. And um, when I was asking, what do you do all day? He said, well, we go to yoga maybe three times a day, but, you know, you get there early. There's no mobile phones. Um, everybody's silent. Everybody knows, you know, they walk in, they they address the room, they sit quietly and wait for the um, yoga um, instructor to come in. And, um, you know, so there's this, there's this like little code. And then I, and I remember comparing it to uh, triathletes turning up for a swim session Um half the time they're late often they've got their phone on you know they're getting disturbed um they've got to leave early because they've got to rush off somewhere that's that's the total opposite isn't it um yeah but i think those things from the yoga room they're exactly what you're saying isn't that nice things that we can start Mm -hmm. taking into to to daily life as well yes absolutely Uh, yeah that when we actually speak to somebody, we we speak and we listen and we are, we are present. And so so everything we cultivate on the mat, we do that because we want to take it with us. Mm. Because we may be only on that yoga mat three times a week, three hours a week. What about all the other hours? We also want to be kind and be present and all those things. Mm. So it, it is really... 
a, a bit of work on yourself that you can then take with you. That's really what the yoga yoga is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and and like you say, um, in an increasingly fast paced life, it's a bit of an antidote to modern modern living, isn't it? Really, and I think I think we do need that for sure. Yeah, and we, def- and we definitely need to t- take responsibility ourselves. You know, how fast do we want to be running around? Mm. We can actually choose. So I'm I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, oh, this sounds great. It's exactly what I need. So I found a little um, uh, advert that somebody's pinned on the um, the wall of the leisure centre or the post office or somewhere, or I've seen something on Facebook and I've decided to come along. So when I when I walk into the the, um, the yoga, what what do you call the um, uh, the yoga room? Is there a special name for it? The yoga room, or what do you mean? Yeah, it's not like if you go and do martial arts, they call it the dojo or the boxing. Is there a special name for the yoga? A a yoga school, that would be a a shala. You would walk into the shala, into the yoga room, yeah? Okay, so when we come to the shala then, what what can we expect? What's the first thing that's going to happen? If somebody comes to, let's say somebody's coming to your class, Kirsten, so I'm doing doing a bit of marketing for you here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what can you expect? I mean, I I will have, um, in most of the classes I teach, I will have a little bit of equipment available. So I will have some mats for you. Uh, I'll have one mat for you and I will probably also have a little bit extra equipment. I'll have some foam blocks and I will have a um, a yoga strap. It's not all places that you have that. So then you might bring your own mat, but then that'll, that'll be it. We would roll out the mat. Um, I will have designed a class and that will have a, a theme, that class that can be some days I want to, I want to work um, towards a specific pose. I want to teach you one pose. And, and in the first 40 minutes before we get to that pose, I want to sort of do a lot of component parts so your body is ready to come to that pose. I'll show you some of it. Um, I will talk you through all the postures. You will do them. And then at the end, you will lie still in relaxation for at least five to 10 minutes. And that would be what you could expect. You would move your body, you would breathe, and you would relax. Yeah. And that last little bit, Shavasana, that's the bit we all like, right? That's the best one. <laughs> but, but what about if I what about if I've had um what about if I've had an injury if I'm recovering from an operation? What about if I um have um a long-term illness? Maybe I've got a heart condition, maybe I'm diabetic, you know. Is there any reason why I should avoid yoga? No, no, not at all. But it can be a very nice thing that you you mention it to the teacher, mm. um, that you just you can just come up and say, you know, I have um, I have this this thing in my back, or this my knee doesn't bend completely, or whatever it is. So just come up and mention it, and then the teacher will know that, and the teacher can then give you some alternatives. Mm. Um, Sometimes people are not comfortable. If, if, if it's the first time you see a yoga teacher, you might not want to go up and tell your whole medical story. So then you just get on your mat. But just as long as you, and this I can guarantee, as long as you are breathing for the full duration of the practice, you are not going to hurt yourself. Mm. Okay. 
And then, you know, if there's something that you dare go over and speak to the, the teacher about it, give it a fair go, you know, come back a couple of times, find out, do you like that teacher's style? Do you like the atmosphere in the room? It can be yes, then stick to it. It can be no, then you, you try something else. That's also a very personal choice where you choose to go. Mm. Um, do I need to wear anything specific when I no, come? Just, no, it's not a fashion statement. Come in some co- comfortable clothes. We always practice bare feet. Um, but also sometimes I'll have beginners that, that just completely refuse to take off their socks. They just will not take them off. And then I don't make a big deal out of that. But at some point, they'll probably start sliding around on the mat anyway. So they'll take them off. So, you know, but comfortable clothes, bare feet. Um, And if you are a little bit serious and you think that yoga is actually something that I would like to do maybe once or twice a week, buy yourself a mat. Mm. Yeah, I've got, I bought, I invested, I'll say, I'll say I bought, I invested in a good yoga mat. I use it every day now. Yeah, exactly. and uh, yeah, it was and worth. Buy, it was definitely worth the money. Yeah, you buy. You, you look up for sort of sticky yoga mats so that the feet can stick and the hands can stick to it. So not one of these sort of really squishy camping mats, but a sticky yoga mat. Um, choose a color you like. You're going to spend time on it. Yeah, I did. I did notice that actually. That so I've I've used when I've been to gyms and used them, and the mats more like a the sort of mat that they have in a gym for doing floor exercise, but not a yoga mat and. Um, when you're doing standing poses that require balance, actually those ones that are squishier make it much harder, don't they? They don't they don't work so well. So a, a sticky yoga mat is a good thing. And as I just was just briefly saying, what what when you were asking what you could expect if you were coming to a place I was teaching, if you're going to practice at home, um, apart from having a mat, it can be really nice with a couple of these sort of foam blocks. Mm. Um, they look a little bit like a, a brick you use for building houses, but they're just made of foam. And they can be really nice sort of um, to either put your hands on if you can't reach the floor. You can put them under a hip if the knee can't touch the floor. So you can sort of prop the body up and, and help you. It's not that you need a lot of equipment, but a little bit of help can be nice. Yeah, I've, I'd, for instance, I had a... Um some difficulty sitting cross-legged just because I've had a couple of knee operations and my hips were tight. And in one of Louisa's classes, she suggested just sitting on the blocks, which gives you a bit more space. And that does make it more comfortable, doesn't it? Exactly. Um, and I think there's a whole lesson in that in its, in, in itself because um, people often refuse to take help from blocks. Mm. Because, oh, I can, I can definitely sit here. I can do that type of attitude. Whereas there's also something about like surrendering a little bit and take the help you can get. And then, yeah, again, we come back to that kindness thing. It's not about suffering in a pose. It's about <laughs> getting the most out of the pose, isn't it? Oh, I'm not interested then. If there's no suffering, Kirsten, we're not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but that is really all it takes, I would say. Some normal training kid comfortable clothes and a mat then you 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 can you can get a long way so uh, um online yoga became very popular during lockdown um because obviously we couldn't go to classes in person um it feels to me like if you're doing a yoga class particularly either with your teacher online where they can see you or when you're in a class 
um, they can help you with little corrective movements to, to, to sort of just um, maybe improve on your posture. Whereas you don't necessarily get that if you are following a YouTube video and there's plenty of them out there and there's some very good instructors, but um, how do you feel about people following um, yoga classes um, following a video so it's it's recorded rather than um, doing an online class with the with the instructor at the end of the camera yeah there's there's no doubt that going to a teacher in person is the number one uh, because exactly for the reasons that you're saying yourself uh, I can see the student the student can see me I can even put hands on the the, the student you know help into postures um, so that is the the number one this the second best would be a um, a class where there's like a zoom class where I can I can see the person on the screen and I can still verbally instruct um that can also work fine recordings are, Use them as top-ups. If you do a, a, an in-person class, fine, and then you might do some videos as a top-up. Okay. But I, I'm also like, you, you also need to be a little bit realistic here. People sometimes live in places where there is not a live class they can mm. go to. Yeah. So maybe a recording is better than no yoga. You know, we, we also need to make it work. But if you have the opportunity to go to a teacher, definitely do that. So you, you talked about people come in and they say, well, I'm just going to do one class a week. And obviously one, one class a week is better than nothing. But what, what would be the optimum? If time, if time permitted, what would be the optimum? And is it better? Uh, well, go on. Tell, tell us the optimum first. Yeah. I want to tell you something first. It is that I've actually, how surprised I am by seeing that people coming, doing one hour a week, what a difference that can make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's also really interesting. I normally don't need to tell people to do a second class a week. That happens automatically. Mm-hmm. People that start feeling some of these sort of benefits. I don't ache so much in my body. I sleep better. You know, I just feel more happy. I'm a little bit stronger. I wonder if I should do a little bit more of this. And then suddenly you have them signing up for two classes a week. So it normally happens a little bit automatically, this mm-hmm. adding on. But I would say start with one good hour a week. That the, That's a good start. And that's something that you then can stick to and you can, because that's really important. You know, we can't do yoga one hour, one week, and then wait a, a month and then we do another class. That yeah. doesn't work. It need to be consistent like anything else. We, we commit to it in order to see the benefits. Mm-hmm. That sounds so, a little bit boring, but that's really how it is. Well, I think that's the message that we get from a lot of guests is nothing beats consistency over the long term, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're trying to improve your yoga practice, whether you're trying to be a better triathlete or whether you want to build a a business, it doesn't, none of it happens overnight, does it? Nope, it doesn't. And there's definitely, you know, there's a definite growing popularity for people sharing hacks to get fat, to, to get, to do things quicker, to get to the end result quicker, but you can't make your body more, flexible and more relaxed quickly that's i mean that's that's a complete paradox isn't it really in in that phrase itself no um okay so 
let's say we're doing a couple of classes, would we do anything between? I mean, does it help to do 15 minutes in the morning um, with a bit of breathing or 15 minutes in an evening? I'm guessing with what you've said about sleeping, if we were to to do a, a little bit of gentle, um, uh, a few gentle yoga poses in an evening and some breathing, that might that might help us get into that sleepy state. Oh, oh, definitely. I think if you have already established that you go to, to let's say, one or two classes a week and then you do these shorter top-up, as mm-hmm. I like to call them, yeah, definitely. Uh, but I wouldn't go down that route that, oh, I'll just sneak five minutes in here and five minutes in there and then I'm doing yoga because then we are exactly feeding that that everything needed to be fast and, you know, and, and quick mm-hmm. fix. And, and that's not happening. But I think if we use them as an addition to a full class or two full classes, it's perfect. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. All right. So um, going back to the I'm sold bit, I'm a, I'm a triathlete. I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go to yoga, but I just, before I go, I'm going to have a question. Kirsten, how is this going to help me uh, as a triathlete? You know, am I going to get faster? Am I going to get stronger? Um. What what are the benefits? And are you and Jack uh, successfully do uh, yoga camps aimed at triathletes and combine the two, don't you? So um, you've you've got a bit of experience probably of dealing with these objections. And I, and I think the the success really comes there where you know where there will always be a lot you can achieve through your sport. Um, but there will also be some sort of areas that will be a little bit overlooked. Um, and from doing very repetitive sport, you know, and, and not never, ever stretching the body out, never making the weak areas strong enough, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's only so much you can do through your sport if the foundation is not right. So I think that's where the yoga can come in, that you can you can use the the um, the yoga routine to sort of target these little, little bit overlooked areas that you can't cover in your sport. Uh, and definitely, if you see that you are not recovering well from your training, um, you keep getting injured, uh, you plateaued a little bit in your, your sport, then it might be worth looking elsewhere. Is there something I could add to help me on that, you know, moving forward path again? Yeah, because I, you know, I'm, I'm a big, oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of strength training. Um, I've come to realize through your input and Louise's input that mobility is probably more important ahead of strength training. But on both of those, the pushback I get from multi-sport athletes is why I, I, I don't have time with all my swimming and biking and running. I mean, my response now will be you, you can't afford not to. And it might be better to reduce a little bit of that swim bike and run by 10% and find space for this here. But that, that'll be the next question you get is, well, how, how am I going to integrate it into my daily schedule then? And, and that is, that, that's a, con- a constant dilemma, isn't it? But we just need to again look at, at how important is it to us? Where is my motivation? Do I want to be efficient in that training? Do I want to get the maximum out of it? And is the homework, have I have I done that well enough? Is Am I ready? Am I healthy to put that training, mm. put down that training I want to do? Yeah, because... 
can oh. I can I perform it with with good enough technique? You know, do I recover so I adapt from my training and 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 that whole area there? And and you you do need to have a good base. If the health is not there, you 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 won't get anywhere. Mm. And and to me, that's that's the most important thing here is that when we swim and bike and run, it's a fight or flight hormonal system isn't it so we're creating cortisol and adrenaline when we're practicing our yoga and we're focusing on the breathing and we're relaxing that's a that's a rest and digest and we need equal parts of those in order to thrive as a human being and and that's a that's a priority above thriving as an athlete so if you're constantly on the go and you're never switching off then it doesn't matter how many hours of training you're going to do there's going to be a limit to the benefits you're going to get from that training so so in, in, if I put it into work terms, because people understand this, it's a bit like working overtime for your boss and not getting paid for it. Nobody would volunteer for that. Yeah. And yet we, we do when we do our training, we, we see a lot of people working overtime and, and, and not getting the rewards. Totally. And it's actually, it, it's really interesting because when I have a group of athletes in the yoga, in the yoga room, the hardest post is the one where we need a lie still. Mm-hmm. Where we're just doing nothing for for seven eight minutes, that that's difficult for many people. But then when we keep practicing, it it also becomes that part that people love the most. Yes, yes. Yeah. I rem- I remember talking to a friend about yoga, and she said, "Oh, I love going to yoga. I feel so good afterwards." But I can't I can't be bothered with that lying down thing at the end. I always have to go then, and I'm like, "That's the best bit." It is the best <laughs> bit. Uh, but and I think you know. And that's probably something we can all relate to that this uh, that this switching off and relaxing and and breathing is something that we we forget a little bit in daily life and we forget the power of it as well. But it's it, it's not that we 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 can relearn it. We can come back mm. to it and and get the benefits. Mm. Um, yes. Um- I think slowing down will improve our productivity. You know, taking some time out of our day will actually help us to stop being busy and be more productive, which I think probably is to anybody, everybody's benefit. There's, there's no doubt about that. I'm, I'm going to ask you if there's any such thing as the best yoga poses. And I, and I probably you're going to take the approach of most coaches and say it depends. Um, but are there, are there, are there some that we can practice on our own? Are there some that, you know, but if you think about the areas typically where triathletes are tight, hamstrings, lower back, shoulders, are there, are there any things that we can do uh, that might help alleviate some of the tightness and, and weaknesses there? If I were, if you were asking me for the very, very number one pose, I would actually say relaxation. Okay. That would be my number one pose, and it's called it's called Shavasana, Dead Man's Pose. Mm-hmm. You lie on you lie on your back, legs a little bit apart, arms a little away from your body. Close your eyes, and then you're completely still, and you relax, and you breathe smoothly mm. for seven, eight, nine minutes. What, that what pers- would make that would make a huge difference. What what percentage of people in your classes um, fall asleep during that? Because I know I regularly do. Yeah, and that, that's always one or two. <laughs> the, the, you, you must have a you must have a little giggle then when they start snoring. Yeah, but that you know, to to be honest, you know what? I I really don't mind that because 
it has happened it happens for all of us and that yeah. is also a process this thing because what it actually just shows that it it almost shows that it's a little bit uncomfortable for you to actually relax so mm. you choose to go to sleep because that's the easy route it's natural but over time you learn to relax and that means you're sort of drifting a place there where you're not awake, but you're not sleeping either. Mm-hmm. You're just sort of drifting there in mm. between. And you learn that. You learn that over time. Um, so, and then you come back to sort of other postures. And I don't really, I don't think athletes, they need different poses than any other person, really. If I were to say, poses that was the most important to do i would look at how the spine moves because mm-hmm. in the spine the nervous system this the nervous system lies in the spine doesn't it so that means the messages from the brain goes out to the body through the spine and it comes back there and um, so i would make sure that i would do one or two at least postures that move the spine in all the directions the spine can move in so bending forward you do a posture that where you bend forward Child's pose, for instance, sitting on mm-hmm. your heels, forehead mm-hmm. down. Uh, a posture where you bend back. Yeah. Uh, a posture where you side bend. Mm-hmm. A posture where you twist. And a posture where you where you lengthen the spine so that you have looked after the nervous system. Mm. Again, coming back to that, it's just not stretching. There's a little bit more to it. So that would be very often how I design the class. I make sure that I get around all that. And then that's why people, they say, oh, I feel so good. Mm. Because we have brought everything into a balance, both the physical body, but also the nervous system. Yes. I, again, modern <laughs> life um, is working against the health of the spine, isn't it? Sitting down all day, being confined into spaces, sort of head, chin poking forward to look at a computer screen. And another thing I always incorporate in my classes, that's um, that's the postures we put in a category that we call inversions, so upside-down postures. Mm. And then they can come in, they can be a headstand, a handstand, a shoulder stand, but it can also be more accessible versions of it. But the the main message is that you bring the heart higher than the head. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could maybe even say that you bring the heart higher than thinking so that you try and feel a little bit more than analyzing everything. So doing a few poses like that, you mentioned downward facing dog yourself. Most people will have seen that sort of triangle shape Mm -hmm. where you stood with your buttocks in the air and head down. Mm -hmm. That's an inversion. And so they, 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 um, they give you a lot of benefits, these postures. They they mm. have they have a lot there's a lot to them when we when we start to practice them. Mm. Yeah, I like I like down dog. It helps uh, if especially if I've come back from a long cycle ride. I find it helps stretch out my back. I I feel like it's really lengthening my calf and my hamstring muscles and and my glutes a little bit com- compared to what I've just been doing for the last few hours. Exactly. And, and also I I 
you know, it, it, it helps with my lats and my upper back as well, which have been hunched over a bike. And I suppose that that will be the same as if you've been sat in front of a computer all day. Totally. Yeah. So is, is there anything we've forgotten to cover, Kirsten? Is there any, is there any questions that will be outstanding from our inquisitive listeners, do you think? No, I don't think so. We've talked a lot, a lot of good things. Yeah, I think you know maybe this this another thing. Um, should I should I do yoga in the morning or is it better to do it in the evening? That's a question I often get mm-hmm. because we have an idea that the yogis they get up four o'clock in the morning and it's better <laughs> to do it really early in the morning. Um, there there are benefits to both, but I think the what I want to say about that is you know fit it in when you can. When mm. you have a little bit of of of, uh, of time, you know that that's that's the that's the best. And again, when it suits you into your fits into your schedule, that's where you also start doing it on a regular basis. So mm. don't get too hung up in that, and also don't get too hung up in 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 whatever style it is that you're doing. Just find something you like. Yeah, mm. yeah, that that. Uh, that reminds me of an analogy. Somebody, somebody once asked a nutritionist whether he should boil his spinach or, or um, steam the spinach, and and the response was, "Well, are you actually eating any spinach at the moment?" And he said, "No." No. He said, "Well, just just eat spinach." Well, that's the same. Look, never mind whether it's the morning or the afternoon for yoga. Are you actually doing any yoga? Which we'll just get started and then find what works best. Exactly, and that was actually what was what was a little bit a, a, a funny thing when you asked me to come on this podcast and and talk about yoga because that's probably one of the things I never do. I never talk about yoga. I do yoga. I teach people yoga because um, we can sit here and talk about yoga, you know, for hours and hours. But if we don't get on that mat, it won't benefit us. No. Um, but having a little bit of an idea, um, and I think it's really nice that if we can bring out to people that it is really for everyone. It's just it just get yourself in there and be curious and 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 learn and take you know away whatever you want to take away. Mm. Well, I'm a convert for sure, Kirsten, and uh, it's it's definitely had nothing but positive benefits for me. So. Uh, thank you to you and, and Jack and all of your yoga teachers for helping those of us who found the light and uh, um, are following that path now regularly. And for those of you who are listening and thinking, well, should I give it a go? As you know, if you can get a, a, a teacher like Kirsten that's enthusiastic and knowledgeable, you won't go wrong. And uh, I think you'll probably, if you come back in six months' time, you'll agree with us that it was the best thing you ever did. Thank you very much. Kirsten, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Good. Thank you. Thank you to Kirsten for being a guest on this week's High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast. As usual, you can find links for all today's discussion topics in the show notes below. To make sure you don't miss any episode in the future, please go to iTunes, search for the High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast and subscribe. Now, if you'd like specific guidance and structure for your training, then please think about joining my SWAT community, where we have training plans for all types of endurance events, as well as monthly live workshops diving deep on specific subjects and a thriving Facebook community of like-minded individuals. The investment is £50 a month, and that exists 
for the lifetime of your membership. So hopefully we'll see some of you on the inside. Okay, that's all for this week. Have a great week and I'll see you on the next episode.